In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void, and darkness was upon the surface of the earth. The Spirit was hovering over the waters of the deep. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. He just said, let there be light. He didn't command the angels to go and create light. He didn't go into a workshop and invent light. He didn't say, I'm going to make light and then set about to do it. He just simply said, let there be light, and it happened. He spoke the word, and it occurred. Philosophers and linguists call that a performative. It comes from a book by a man named J.L. Austin, who was a philosopher and linguist, who wrote a book called How to Do Things with Words. And in it, he made the observation that, yes, often we use words to describe things or to state our intentions or to talk about what we see or those kinds of things, but sometimes we use words to actually do things that the words themselves accomplish the task. For example, when Lisa says to me, you're in charge of the kids on Friday night, that's a performative. There isn't anything else she has to do to put me in charge of the kids. She simply has stated that I'm in charge of the kids on Friday night and the words accomplish the action. Same thing happens when uh, I'm performing a wedding ceremony. And I say to the bride, do you take this man to be your lawfully wedded husband? When she says, I do, she's actually taking him to be her husband. The word is doing the work. She's not saying, yes, in the future, I'll have him be my husband. She's acknowledging and taking him as her husband right there with those words. When a judge says, I hereby sentence you to 10 years in prison, He's now sentenced the person to 10 years in prison. There's not a future action that has to be taken in order to sentence them to prison. The words themselves did the work. If you're a student in class and the teacher says, I need a volunteer, and you raise your hand and you say, I volunteer, you've just volunteered. There isn't anything else you have to do to volunteer. Simply stating, I volunteer, does the work of volunteering you. If you call your brother up on the phone and you say, congratulations on your job promotion, the minute you say congratulations, you've now done the work of congratulating him. This is what linguists are recognizing as performatives. We use words to do things. Words accomplish things. They don't always just describe something that's going on or state our intentions in the future, we actually do stuff with words. Well, recognize the, recognizing this in humans is insightful because we see that God does this all the time. For example, Jesus, when he wants to raise Lazarus from the dead, he says, Lazarus, come out. That's what raises Lazarus from the dead. He doesn't say, I'm about to raise Lazarus from the dead and then sprinkle some water or do something else to make it happen. The power is not in that further action. The power is in the words. When he says, Lazarus, come out, that raises Lazarus from the dead. 
when the centurion comes to Jesus and says, just say the word and my servant will be healed, Jesus just simply says the word be healed and it happens. That's a performative. He's doing something with his words. When Jesus is on a raging sea and he says to the wind and the waves, be still, the wind and the waves are still. His words are doing the work of stilling the wind. He doesn't say in just a few minutes I'm going to still the wind and the waves. He simply says the word and the word accomplishes something. It's a performative. It's how we do things with words. Not just describing, not just stating our intentions, but actually accomplishing tasks with our words. Well, today we want to talk about God's performative words. We're going to be looking in the book of Hebrews. So if you would, would you turn there? Book of Hebrews. We're going to be in chapter 4, but we've got to set the context. And so we're going to start in chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. That's page 969 in the Bibles the church provides. Hebrews chapter 3, and let's pray and ask the Lord to speak to us today. Father, we have gathered in this place because we want to hear your voice speaking through your word to our hearts. God, help us to understand how it is that you do things with your words. And Lord, help us be able to have eyes of faith to see what you are doing in and through your word right here, right now in this place and as we move forward. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. We're in Hebrews 3 because we want to kind of pick up the context which is going to lead to the passage that we're going to focus on. In Hebrews 3, look in verse 7. We covered this a couple of weeks ago, but in verse 7, notice that it says, so as the Holy Spirit says. You see that? So as the Holy Spirit says. And right after that, if you see that poetry-looking piece, that's Psalm 95. We talked about this again a couple of weeks ago. The author of Hebrews is quoting Psalm 95, but I want you to notice the way he introduces it. He doesn't say, so as the Holy Spirit said, past tense. He said, as the Holy Spirit says, present tense. And then quotes something that from a human point of view was written a thousand years before Hebrews. But the point is not that here is a historical document that was written a long time ago that said this. The point is, is that God is speaking through his word, present tense. God is addressing us today through Psalm 95. And then the author of Hebrews goes on in chapter 3 to talk about that. And then in chapter 4 to talk about how God's word is speaking to us today. Look at that, <clears throat> look in verses 7, 8, and 9. God again set aside a certain day, calling it today. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David as in the passage already quoted. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. 
For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And the point is, how did this Sabbath rest come to be? God declared in his word, today, if you do not harden your hearts, you can enter this rest. And the point is, is that God's word is causing the action to happen. God didn't say in Psalm 95, in the future, I will do some stuff that will allow people to enter my rest. He doesn't do that. Instead, he simply states the word, today, if you hear my voice, you can enter my rest. It's a performative. God's word is doing the work of making the rest available. It's making the rest open to us. That rest is available to us simply because God said it was. He didn't form a committee. He didn't tell the angels to make it happen. He didn't have to do a bunch of stuff. He simply spoke. Just like he said, let there be light, and there was light. In Psalm 95, God said, today, if you hear my voice, you can enter my rest. The word is doing the work of inviting people into the rest. Now that's what's happening with Psalm 95 and Hebrews 3 and 4, a specific passage. Now we're going to see the general principle of what the author of Hebrews is saying about the Word of God, verses 12 and 13 of chapter 4, and this is where we're going to focus this morning. <clears throat> For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. <clears throat> Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. In chapters 3 and 4, the author of Hebrews has been quoting a specific passage from the Word of God, namely Psalm 95. And now he moves to the more general principle about the Scriptures, about the Word of God, and that is God's Word, the Scriptures, that he's just been talking about. God's Word is alive and active. Now alive, that means that's why in chapter 3, verse 7, it says in Psalm 95, God says meaning that God is speaking to us present tense. God is speaking literally through his word to us today. That's why we say God's word is alive. It's not just a historical document that you read and you look at and you go, huh, that was interesting. I wonder how that is applicable to me today. That's not how it works. It's through God's word he is speaking to us today. It's alive. Now, you've heard me talk about this before. That's why I said in the past, if you're going through a difficult time, find your psalm. What I mean by that is read through the psalms until you find the psalm that God speaks to you and your situation through. Not some sort of psalm that historically was really interesting, but where God is saying to you. Because God's word is alive. It's not only alive, it's also active. Another way to translate that word is effective. 
God's word is a performative. God's word actually does stuff. It doesn't just tell us about things. It doesn't just inform us. It doesn't just describe the way the world is or how it ought to be. It actually accomplishes things. It's active and effective. God's word does stuff. This is why it says in Isaiah chapter 55, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Rain comes from heaven and it does something. Rain actually causes things to grow. It brings nourishment so that we can have food. God's saying the same thing about his word. My word does stuff. Just like rain brings growth, my word brings growth. Just like rain causes things to happen, my word causes things to happen. It's not that God's word just describes stuff or teaches us things. It's that God's word accomplishes the purpose that God has for it. This is why it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. That's why it says in James chapter 1, verse 21, humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Or 1 Peter chapter 1, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. Do you hear how God's word does stuff? God's word is what saves us. God's word is what gives us new birth. God's word is what is at work within us right now. This is the idea that God's word is performative. He actually does stuff through his word. He accomplishes his purposes when his word is read. He does things in and through his word. For example, if right now you're going through a difficult financial time and you're worried and anxious about how you're going to make it and I come alongside of you and I say, don't worry, it's all going to work out. That's great. That's really nice. But when God's word says to you, I am the Lord who takes hold of your right hand, who says to you, do not be afraid, I will help you. Through that word, God actually causes us not to be afraid. He's actually doing something through the word. He's not just saying, hey, don't worry, something's going to happen in the future, and that will help you not to be afraid. It's through the word itself that God causes the fear to flee. That when God's word is spoken, when God's word comes to us, it accomplishes the purpose that he sent it to us to do. And in that case... It accomplishes the purpose of causing us not to be afraid. Or when God says to you, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In that word, God is offering to you everlasting life. 
He's not saying, hey, by the way, I'm going to do some stuff in the future that will make everlasting life available to you. When you hear God's word say that to you, he is in that word offering you eternal life. And you in response, all you have to do is simply say back to God, I accept. Because your word is a performance. There's nothing else you have to do to accept. When you say, I accept, you're accepting. And when God says to you, through my son you may have eternal life, he's doing something in that word, meaning he's offering you eternal life. It's a performative. God is doing something through his word. This week a good friend came in. She's going through a very difficult season in life. And she just happened to be here at Tuesday morning Bible study. And uh, a couple of us were standing outside in the hallway and we were talking. And we just asked, how's it going? And she shared the journey that she's on, a journey of faith and lots of different things happening in her life, stressful stuff that she's going through. And, and I see her and she's, she's beat down. The weight is heavy. And when you listen, you think that is a lot of weight. That's a lot for anybody to go through. And so I ask her while she's telling me this, have you found your psalm? She says, I have two. Psalm 84 and Psalm 145. And she opens up her Bible right then to Psalm 145 and starts to read it to us and begin to explain how God spoke to her or is speaking to her through that psalm. And she got to verse number 14 in Psalm 145 and she read out loud the words, the Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. And I watched God lift her up. Meaning that while she was reading these words and while she was describing what God was saying to her through these words, her countenance began to lift. That the hopelessness and the fear and the heaviness and the weight, I'm watching it lift off of her. I'm watching her spirits begin to rise. This is not a promise that at some point in the future God might do something that would help her to feel better. In the word itself, the Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. God did something. He lifted her up. That's God's performative word. God's word is alive and active. It does stuff. It doesn't just talk about stuff God's going to do. It actually accomplishes stuff for God. God does things through his word. Let me show you another way that God's word does stuff. Look back at Hebrews chapter 4. Verse 12, sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It doesn't say it reveals things that God thinks are true. It says that God's word actually does the work of judging. This week I received an email from a pastor that I'm uh, helping mentor. Uh, He's not in a church in town. He's on the West Coast. And he had a question. In his church, he's got two people that are in somewhat positions of leadership, meaning uh, semi-visible positions of leadership, uh, both of whom are involved in cohabitating relationships. What I mean by that is they are living with people that they are dating, that they're not married to, but they're claiming not to be engaging in sexual immorality. Uh, They're claiming just to be living together, and I think the reason that both of them, again, I might be wrong, was financial reasons. It's a way to save money. We're going to get married. We might as well start living together now, and as long as we don't 
uh, engage in sexual intercourse, we should be okay. And their point was is there's no rule in the Bible uh, that says you can't live together. It does say you can't, have sexual, you can't engage in sexual immorality. So they have determined, well, we're okay. We're not breaking any rules. And so the pastor is writing me saying, it is true that <laughs> this is not technically sexual immorality. He's like, it doesn't feel right. <laughs> what, can you help me think through this? Well, look at verse 13 of chapter 4. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Now that phrase, to whom we must give account, could also be translated literally, to whom we must give our word. You see, God has his word, we have our word. And in this case, uh, these two people have come up with their rational arguments for why they should be doing what they're doing. And it says that on Judgment Day, we're going to have to give our word to God, and it's going to be our word versus his word. But the point of Hebrews is, why wait until that point to find out if your word is going to stand up on that day? Why not find out now? Because God's word already today reveals what he thinks about the behavior we're engaged in. You see, God's word says to us, yes, everything is lawful, but not everything is beneficial. God's word says, make up your mind not to be a stumbling block to someone else. God's word is the one that says, do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. When God's word is read, it judges the thoughts and intents of our hearts. This is why people who are doing things that they know they shouldn't be doing do not want to hear what God's word has to say. It's not because they don't understand it. It's not because they don't believe it. It's because it actually is judging them when it's read. It reveals stuff that they have kept hidden deep in their heart, what their real motives are for doing what they're doing. This is God's word in action. God's word actually uncovers what's deep in our soul. You want to know what your true motivations are for doing what you're doing? You want to know what God thinks of whatever behavior you may be engaged in? You simply open God's word and begin to read it. And God's word does the work of uncovering our thoughts, our inner attitudes, and it judges them and shows them whether they are in line with God's word and with what God wants or not. God's word is alive and active. Through it, God is speaking to us. And in his speaking to us, he is doing things. So what's the takeaway from this? We're talking together in the book of Hebrews about being on a journey of faith. The most important tool on the journey of faith is the word of God. Because through it, God does stuff that we need to have happen to us on the journey of faith. For example, you may be on a journey of faith and you may need some guidance from God. Perhaps you're not sure where you're going. You're not sure what's next. You're not sure what to do. And maybe you came last week and you heard Pastor Joel stand up here and tell you about how he's on a journey of faith and that God gave him a dream and the dream told him he was supposed to go plant a church in Arizona. And you may have come last week and you may have been sitting there thinking to yourself, I wish I had a dream. 
If I had a dream, then I would know what I was supposed to do. Right now, I'm just kind of wandering around and I got nothing. If God would just show up in a dream and tell me to quit my job or show up in a dream and tell me to marry that person or show up in a dream or tell me to do this, then I'd know what to do. Now, I completely affirm the dream that Joel had. I completely think that it's from God. I completely thank God for it. But I'm also aware of what Jeremiah 23 says. Jeremiah 23 says, let the prophet who has a dream recount the dream. But let the one who has my word speak it faithfully. For what has straw to do with grain, declares the Lord, is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces? Here God is saying, look, I'm for dreams. Clearly he is. He's affirming them in this passage. Clearly he's for dreams. He gave it to Joel. But notice what he says that you and I and Joel have that's far better than any dream. We have the word of God. And the word of God is so much better than a dream. It's as much better than a dream as grain is than straw. And Jeremiah is saying, look, God's word is a fire. It is a hammer that breaks the rocks to pieces. It does stuff. You need guidance from God? You may get a dream, you may not. But in God's word, God's word will be a light to your feet and a lamp to your mouth. Meaning when you read God's word, he will guide you. You won't just read promises about how he'll provide guidance in the future. He'll actually do the work of guiding you through his word. Because his word accomplishes things. You struggling with sin on the journey of faith? Every week we say from Hebrews 12, this, let us throw off the sin that so easily entangles. Those things that we all have that we want to follow Jesus, we want to do what's right, and then that stuff gets in the way. And we find ourselves continually tripping up over the same things. You want help dealing with that sin on your journey of faith? God's word says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. That doesn't just mean, well, when you memorize God's word, God gives you a whole bunch of stuff that'll be useful to help you think about not sinning. No, 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 it's more than that. God's word is alive and active. That when you memorize and meditate on God's word, it actually does the work of helping you not to sin. When you hear God say to you, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard and protect your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. The command, do not be anxious, actually helps you not to be anxious. It's not just some instructions that you got to try to live up to so you think, well, this is one more thing I'm failing at. No, 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 no. God's word actually helps us to obey. It does the work of guiding us in obedience. You're on a journey of faith and you're desperate for success? You want kids to, your kids or your grandkids to experience success on their journeys of faith? To be the person that God wants them to be? Joshua 1.8 says, the book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You should meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. The reason why the Old Testament says, hey, look, take God's word, talk about it when you're at home, write it on the door frames of your house, talk about it when you get up and when you lie down, is because the word works out success. It does the work of making us successful 
on the journey of faith. You need wisdom on the journey of faith. David says, I have more insights than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. The idea is not that when you read God's word, you gather a lot of information and you become smart. That's what teachers do. The point is, is that when you meditate on God's word, God actually teaches you. God actually does the work of making you wise. That God's word is not an information book that you collect information from. It is active and alive and through it God does stuff, meaning he gives you wisdom. The point is when you read God's word, you become wise. God's word is performative. It's alive and it's active. God does stuff. The same God who said, let there be light, and through his words alone there was light, the same God who said, Lazarus, come out, and the words alone raised him to life, that same God speaks through his word to us today and does stuff. He helps us with sin. He provides guidance. He drives away fear. He protects us from spiritual warfare. He teaches us. He grows us. He transforms us. He gives us wisdom. His word is a means through which he does stuff. He says, my word will not return to me void. It will accomplish the purpose for which I spoke it. So what's the takeaway? I got two assignments for you. First, reading God's word should be a regular part of your daily experience. Now, for many of you, it is. That's great. I want to encourage you in that. For some of you, perhaps books about God's word or other people or technology or whatever may have crowded out God's word, or you may simply be too busy or not know what to do. Listen, it's an encouragement. There is no other thing you'll ever be able to read. Nothing. Not online, not in print, not in another person. There is nothing else you will ever be able to engage with that can truly be said to be alive and active except God's word. Do you need something to happen in your life? Do you need not just to have things talked about? Do you actually need something to happen? The promise is God's word does it. It does these things. And if you're here and you say, okay, I'm willing to believe that. What do I do? Look, it's very simple. You don't know where to start? Go to the book of Psalms. Read a psalm a day. It's just start there. Read a psalm a day. Assignment one, make sure engaging with God's word, reading God's word is a daily experience for you. Don't know where to start? Just start in the Psalms. Haven't been in the Bible in a while? Fine, just turn to the Psalms, read Psalm one. Just start there, one Psalm a day. Second assignment, it goes with the first. Read expectantly. God's word is alive and active. That is a claim that God is making about his word. We accept that claim by faith. This looks like a book just like every other book. It's got words printed on a page just like every other book has words printed on a page. You can access it online just like all other information you can access online. 
But God is saying about this, it's alive and it's active, and I will do stuff in your life through it. When you come to read God's word, read it differently than any other book you read. Meaning, read it expecting God to do something through it. God can work through other books. God can bring interesting things to mind through other books, through other things that you engage with. But through this, God says he will do something. So when you sit down to read God's word, whether you're in Psalm 1, wherever you are in the scriptures, pray and ask God to show you what he's saying to you through his word. Remember, it's not that the Bible said. It's that the Bible says Ask him to show you what he's doing, to help you to see what he's up to. In fact, to this end, I put some questions in your notes that you can go home and when you sit down and read that psalm or wherever you are in the scripture, ask yourself these questions as you're reading or when you get done. Ask, what's God doing to me as I'm reading this passage of scripture? Is God filling me with hope? Is God convicting me of sin? Is God providing some form of guidance? Is God calming my fears? Is God providing an answer to a question that I have? Is God preparing me for something that's coming in the future? Look, there's lots more questions you can have, but just start with these and sit down and read expectantly saying, Lord, I know that you said, Your word is alive and active. I need you to do something today. And open up his word. And then ask him, help me to see what you're doing. God's word is alive and active. It's effective. It's performative. His word is not just him describing how the world is or how it will be. His word is God doing stuff in our lives. The same God who said, let there be light, and there was light, is the God who speaks things into our life through his word. Let's pray together. Father, you know that my prayer this week has been that your word would be alive and active right now. That it would be creating within our hearts faith that it would move us to spend more time in your word, that it would help us to see how your word has been powerful and effective. Lord God, I pray that your word today would be doing something in the hearts of all who hear it, that through your word you would encourage us further into the study of your word, into reading your word. Lord, I pray right now that you would help each person who's gonna go home today and start in Psalm 1 or start wherever they are in the scriptures. God, I pray that their eyes would be opened. I pray that they would be able to see what you're doing. Lord, there are some here today who need hope. They need to be filled with hope. They don't just need statements about how hope's a good thing. They actually need you to make them full of hope. God, help them to open your word and to have you speak hope into their lives. God, there are some here who are confused about which way to go. Lord God, would you speak through your word guidance into their life? Lord, there are some here who do not know Jesus as Savior. Lord, would you, through your word, would they be willing to read it and would you speak through them words of life that they can accept? 
God, there are some here who are struggling with a loved one who's walking through a difficult health journey. Lord God, it's so easy to give way to fear and to doubt. Lord, open your word and speak words of a peace to them. Not just that everything will be okay sometime in the future, but actually give them peace through your word. Lord, what good is it if I stand up here and claim that your word is alive and active and then you don't make it so? God, we have opened this opportunity for you to come and be who you said you are, to use your word in the way that you promised you would use it. Lord, I didn't write this. It was your idea, God. Your word is a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces. Your word is like rain that comes from heaven. God, without your spirit doing these things, we'll simply believe it's just another book. And so, Lord, in the name of Jesus, we pray, please, Show your word to be what it is, alive and effective. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.